Hey, I'm Gilda. I'm Steph. And you are listening to Saturday Night High, the podcast where we get stoned and talk about Saturday Night Live. Yes, and today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 8, which aired December 20th, 1975. The host was Candace Bergen, again. She was the first two-time host. Musical guests, Martha Reeves, the Stylistics, and also Howard Shore and the All Angels Band. Yes. And I would also like to take a moment to say listener discretion is advised as we talk about adult themes in this show and also our drug use. We get started with the episode. It starts off, um, since this is on December 20th, um, a lot of the episode was geared towards Christmas and the cold open was Christmas Eve at the White House um, with Chevy Chase and Garrett Morris. Yeah. And Chevy Chase, I was preparing for a Christmas Eve address. And the thing that finally clicked for me with, or not clicked, but that I realized with Chevy Chase's impression of Gerald Ford, I was like, okay, is this Amelia Bedelia? Like now the physical gags are becoming so apparent. Like Chevy Chase goes to put a record on the record player and it falls. And then he tells Garrett Morris to go get someone to help trim the tree. And he picks up a few, he picks up pairs of scissors and he's like trimming the Christmas tree. And yeah, that I was like, oh, okay. That's what this reminds me of. So <laughs> yeah, my second thought was how did he not die on air or get seriously hurt? And I think I've said that before, but my God, this time Chevy Chase's Gerald Ford climbed up a ladder and then proceeded to try to put a star in a Christmas tree and he like jumped onto the Christmas tree and fell to the ground. And he was like solidly above floor level. So that was a whole jump. Like, I feel like you would use a stunt. Yes, today you would. Or, you know, you'd use like a mannequin or a dummy, not a person, you know, to make, just make it painfully obvious it's fake, you know, just go for that laugh. Another gag, I, Garrett Morris was playing one of the White House valets and he brought Gerald Ford's drink in and Gerald Ford took the tray and Garrett Morris was like, yeah, okay, I can't do this. And he just like downed the drink, which I thought was funny. I appreciated that. Yeah, so after that, we go into Candace Bergen's monologue and she doesn't do anything. <laughs> like, no, no, no hate on her. I loved it. It was cute. She was just like, yeah, I don't have anything to say because I'm just so happy to be here to stick a little Christmas present to myself. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, it was so nice. She, I, she was she's so pretty and her voice is so regal. Yes. She introduced Martha Reeves and Howard Shore and his band of angels. And Martha Reeves performed uh, Your Love Keeps Lifting Me higher and higher, which I, I love that song. Uh, I've seen Bruce Springsteen play that and oh, such a good time. It's just such a happy song. Oh, it is. It's a bop. And she was wearing this awesome, like, sequin jumpsuit. It was a good time for me. Yeah, very good time. Unlike the next sketch, which to me, not a great time. I was just kind of like, this is just okay. And then it ended up being one of those sketches that you get multiple times or multiple segments of throughout the episode. Yeah. And it was just weird. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd was playing... I guess Mel from Mel's Char Palace and it was 
uh, you, you come stun your own beef, cut your own beef, and then it pans over, zooms out, and Gilda Radner's standing there holding a chainsaw, which I thought was funny, but it was also like, what the fuck? It was weird. She was really owning it, too. <laughs> she, she was, but I did not expect that. The next sketch, it is Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin are sitting on two different sofas. And Dan Aykroyd, I think he's reading a paper. Jane Curtin is sewing. And they're very worried because Billy's missed his curfew again, or he's missed his curfew. And the phone rings and it's Billy and he's at the police station. And they're like, and the dad's like, oh, what'd you get into? I got into trouble in my day too, son. Don't worry about it. He's like, murder. He's like, oh, he's like, well, it's, it's okay. I'm sure you didn't do it. I'm sure you had a good reason, you know, blah, blah, blah. Don't talk until we get a lawyer. And Chevy Chase goes on to say that, no, he helped Mr. Eli down the block lure 26 children. And then they had them huff glue. And then was that not a reference to the toy box killer? I thought it was a reference to, oh my God, I forgot his name. Let me just look it up real fast before I say it and sound like a full fool. No, because I, I think I think I know I think I know his name. I, I, I don't want to say it and give it away for you, but I think I know the guy's real name. Well, I was thinking it was Dean Coral, but what were you gonna say? Dean Coral, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but isn't he the toy box killer? I honestly am not sure. Should I I that one here? <laughs> This is just me googling Dean Coral facts. Um, <laughs> Coral Corner. Jesus. Um. Oh wait, David Parker Ray. Okay. I. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Dean Coral. Sorry. There's so many murderers out there, guys. A lot. But yeah. So anyway, that reminded me of Dean Coral. Yeah, and it ends with the father hanging up the phone, and he says that Billy's gotten himself into a bit of trouble, and. Gene Curtin says, it isn't marijuana, is it? And he says, no, it wasn't marijuana. Oh, thank the Lord. And that's how the sketch ends. He helped murder 26 people, but thank God it wasn't marijuana. The next little bit was just kind of weird. It was like, um, Candace Bergen was standing there and she was saying, hey, America, if you have any funny home videos, send them in, um, you know, for a fun chance to be featured. Um, and then Don Pardo keeps interrupting and saying things like, oh, well, we're not gonna send it back to you if we don't use it, which is a thing that you had to deal with when there are videotapes and not just email, that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, they were clear. You could send it in on super eight or 16 millimeter, which I'm pretty sure my parents had super eight or Betamax tapes when I was younger, they still had those. And so I was like, oh my, God, that was a throwback. It was like he, Don Pardo was doing the disclaimers and then Chevy Chase comes out and we, we're going to go show you an example of uh, what we're looking for. We're gonna go make a video. And Chevy Chase says to Candace Bergen, oh, would you step this way? And it was like, were they joking about making porn? I think they were. They were also joking about being two minutes long. So. Oh, <laughs> uh, I get that now. So yeah, and then, so to show what kind of film they're looking for, it transitioned to... Oh, this was the Beescapades. <laughs> and it was so fucking cute. It was um, Candace Bergen skating, ice skating with the bees. 
they were doing like synchronized bee things that really didn't look like anything because they said oh we don't have the overhead shot we don't have the overhead shot and the final shot of the sketch Dom Pardo or whoever was doing the announcement says that this is a tribute to their trainer Leon and it was the bees on the ice spelling out Noel it was the Christmas show cute yeah no the whole time that they're showing the video Chevy Chase is narrating and he kept saying there's you there's you every time uh Candace Bergen was on which is kind of cute <laughs> there's you yeah um there were also a series of ads throughout the show for Don Pardo's digital gift guide these included this one was a clock ashtray okay that a thing people needed i i don't yeah if we're missing something please let us know those weren't that strong no they weren't yeah in the digital gift catalog which <laughs> it was just not that great i hate to say it but didn't laugh. no yeah it kind of sucked the next thing was um santa and a reindeer doing a little ad for polaroid yeah john belushi was said he was the easter bunny and Candace Bergen played Rudolph and they were taking pictures of her. Again, it's a little odd to see a commercial like right in SNL, but at the same time, I think it's cool that, you know, they used Polaroids. I wish Polaroid, well, they, they're still around, but I think Kodak stopped making the film. Yeah, you can still get at Urban Outfitters though, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. But yeah, so after that, cute little ad there was a performance by the stylistics um they sang you make me feel brand new it was good I liked it yeah it was a little they were doing like a little choreographed microphone switch they were twirling and doing little dances with their hands it was very cute it was I I was like totally enjoying it um after that we went into a replay of K-Put the ad changer and then the next sketch i thought this episode had a few sketches that were actually really well done and had like subliminal meanings and i really liked it it was fun it was kind of um yeah so the next sketch is chubby chase um he's singing just as an elf he's singing i think it was up on the rooftop and his sister Candace bergen comes in and she is shocked and upset to see that her brother, her own brother, is an elf. And the whole sketch is just um, basically a scene where it, it was like all the words for gay were replaced with like elves. And so he was spry. <laughs> it was cute. <laughs> yeah, it was like his coming out. It was a, it, the whole sketch was a metaphor for someone coming out but instead of coming out as gay he's coming out as an elf and uh it was uh, towards the end dan Aykroyd and jane Curtin come in both uh chevy chase and candace bergen's parents and candace bergen's like mom dad you know yeah you, we need to talk like he's an elf and Jane Curtin is like, it's okay. You know, we've always, we, we've always had a feeling and your father has been one for many years. And she takes Dan Aykroyd's hat off and there's an elf hat underneath. And then Candace Bergen and Jane Curtin leave and Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase proceed to 
hop on the couch and prance around like elves while singing to one another and they find acceptance in one another. And I thought it was groundbreaking at the time because like only six or seven weeks ago, they were playing an ad mocking two men for being married or living together and saying they were just like their mother or just like his mother. And now they were portraying a coming out scene replacing gay with elf and it was showing a really accepting set of parents and i thought that was for 1975 snl i did not expect it maybe i'm wrong maybe that wasn't the point of the sketch but the optimist in me thinks that was i mean it was a very very thinly veiled metaphor it was very clear that they were talking about this character being gay um right and then, yeah it was it all turned out really well so one of the lines I did think was funny was that when Chevy Chase sits on the back of the couch and Candace Bergen is beside them and Candace Bergen is like, please don't sit that way. I can see your bells. It was funny. <laughs> I did like that. Yeah. And then he was just so cute too that I was like, oh, it's, it's festive. It's holidays. I love it. Really loved that. Right. I mean, there, the whole episode. there were some slightly offensive lines jane Curtin said that you know over the years she'd learned to live with it and over the christmas season she never knew out she never knew when he was out whose tree he was trimming or whose stocking he was stuffing like yeah it was a very thinly veiled reference to homosexuality so yeah yeah the next thing was vegan update um which began with chubby chase on the phone um, saying, oh, yeah, honey, no, I wasn't that mad. Teeth always hurt. I was like, god damn it. Is this really how we're going to begin it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did a little bit on the trial of Squeaky Throne um, with artists' renderings of the trial, except it was like an eight-year-old had drawn it. And it was kind of funny at first, but then they kept showing more and more of these eight-year-old pictures, and I was like, okay, like, we get it. Like, <laughs> shitty picture, artist rendering, we get it. Yeah, they drove the jury back to the hotel and a little bus that said jury on it. He also talked about how there was a Barbie that Christmas where if you wound her arm backwards, she grew boobs. And I'm pretty sure that was a real Barbie. But then there was a joke about how they, they were going to make her adult companion friend where if you twist her arm, she says, it's, it's, it's where it always is and not tonight, honey, I have a headache. Oh my God. I did not think that was a real Barbie. I'm pretty sure that was a real Barbie. Hang on. The Barbie that grew boobs. Yep. Oh my God. Lorraine Newman, they then cut to their correspondent, Lorraine Newman, who, um, they, who was standing in Times Square saying it was remarkably quiet for the ball dropping. And Chevy Chase was like, Lorraine, what time is it? And she's like, oh, it's 10 after 12. This is, un this is, I can't believe it. The ball didn't drop. And he's like, Lorraine, what's the date? December 20th. It's like, yeah, uh-huh. And it was just like that. I didn't see how that was funny. It just made her look stupid. Yeah, that was just weird. It didn't really make much sense or make me laugh. Yeah, uh, what also didn't make me laugh was Chevy Chase then going after, Ch going after Cher, Jesus. Was Chevy Chase going after Cher, that's a sentence, saying she had her first child, Chastity, now Chaz, 
and her second child's publicity. And it's like, fuck you. If she wanted to have a second kid, it doesn't mean she's going to have one for publicity. Fuck off. God. Anyway. Yeah, that was just not necessary Chubby Chase's part. But, I mean, that's Chubby Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I hate to say it, but... Um, but yeah, I did laugh at the Texas chain letter massacre, um, which was a chain letter where you need to send it to eight people and then kill yourself. Okay, so my big question was, were chain letters a thing? Like, I, they must have been, because I thought that started with email. I didn't know people literally sent chain letters. Um, yeah, Smithsonian Magazine, the history of chain letters. Oh my gosh. Before chain letters swept the internet, they raised funds for orphans and sent messages from God. Holy shit, this is fascinating. There's been lots of Googling today, guys. Yeah, above all, chainmail strives to replicate by preying on fears. A woman made fun of this in 13 days. Her daughter went blind. Blind. The one who breaks this chain will have bad luck. Your joy will come in nine days. Oh my gosh. This is a long read. I, I'm going to stop scrolling or this is going to turn into a not SNL episode and us talking about history episode. So yeah, so that was, I did not know that was a thing. So that was, I thought it was funny as fuck, but yeah, wow. Yeah, it, it was, it was funny. It also was one of those times where I like, oh my God, this is so old. <laughs> right. Candace Bergen appeared as Princess Grace in a parody ad of Tarnoff, which is a jewelry detarnishing thing. And it was, she just dunked her head in a bowl of water saying she doesn't even have to brush it. She just has to dip her, dip her head with her tea. Yeah, it was weird. It was strange. Um, and then we went into Emily Latella um, talking about firing the handicapped and how awful that is because there's so many opportunities for them over the holidays. Yeah. And after Weekend Update, we went into a sketch that was actually entirely silent. It was acted out by John Belushi and Gilda Radner. And Gilda Radner is at the, she's at the laundromat. She's looking for an empty washer and she runs into an empty one. And then John Belushi's there and he's looking for an empty washer. And he suggests, oh, hey, should we share the washer? She's like, oh, I, I suppose. And so they're, you know, coyly, and kind of flirtily putting their articles of clothing into the washing machine bit by bit. And they started with shirts and then it moves to pants and it gets like more and more scandalous. And then uh, it comes time for Gilda Radner to put her, or Jabalushi, he tosses his undershirt in the wash and- His fucking wife beater. Yeah, yeah, his wife beater. And Kilda Radner pulls her bra out and she's like, uh-uh. And then John Belushi pulls out a flower and she's like, oh, okay. She tosses her bra in the washing machine and then he tosses his underwear in and she's like, uh-uh. He slingshots his tidy whities in. Yes, he slingshotted them. Yeah, that was actually kind of impressive. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> it was fun. Uh, yeah, so John Belushi then pulls out wine and two glasses and they... She, uh, Gilda Radner takes a drink. She says, oh, what the hell? She tosses her underwear in. They sit down and they share a cigarette. And the entire sketch was a metaphor for sex. 
And it was done silently, just with actions. And I thought it was incredible. It was good. You know, I didn't even like consciously like realize that it was a silent sketch, but they were definitely acting out everything. Um, <laughs> maybe perhaps a little bit too much at sometimes. I was like, okay, nobody would like literally unfold their whole pants before putting them in the wash. Like you go a little too far with that show over there. Um, <laughs> but it was still fun. I guess I kind of took that as a like, <laughs> it's like when you're undressing, when you're going to have sex with someone for the first time, it's like, oh, okay, shirt coming. Mm, I don't know. It's like, you know, it's like he was like hesitating before he took his shirt off or before he tossed the shirt in, hesitating before he took the pants in. And then by the time he got to his underwear, he was confident, but Gilda needed the wooing and the champagne or the, yeah. So that was kind of how I took it. But maybe again, maybe I'm just super high and reading into it. I see that. Yeah. I don't know. So I thought it was an incredible piece of performance art. I thought him slingshotting his underwear was the funniest shit ever. <sighs> Did you understand the next sketch? Because if not, I can handle it. Um, there's definitely a huge lag, first off. Second off, no. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so we went into uh, an Al Franken, Tom Davis Pong sketch where Al Franken is asking Tom if he can hear him and because Al Franken just keeps scoring in Pong and it's not, the Pong bar isn't moving or if it is, it's not catching the ball. And then in the background, you hear the beginning of Pinball Wizard, which was the rock opera by The Who. The main character was Tommy, who was the deaf, dumb, and blind boy who was a pinball wizard. And so... <laughs> his friend Tom couldn't play Pong because he was deaf, dumb, and blind. He's like, man, you sure are a pinball wizard, but you can't. Yeah, it was, it was a fucking, it was a callback to a Who song. So, yeah. There's a lot of layers there. A lot of layers. Mm -hmm. It was like a 30 second bit. It was perfect. It was really quick. Um, yeah, and then we went into the Land of Gorge and this week, Plubus is throwing a little Christmas party and he's sitting there and it's just him and Puta, the Lady Muppet, who I, I, I remember like thinking this a long time ago, but I don't know if I ever said it out loud. It's his name, or it's, oh my God, it's her name, Puta, because it's like a Spanish swear word. Um, <laughs> or am I just crazy? Okay. I'm pretty, that sounds, that sounds accurate. Puta was like, oh, this party that we're setting up is so beautiful. It should be written about in People Magazine. And then Scrat arrives and he's under the mistletoe and Plubus you know, walks away. Um, and Scrat reveals that he accidentally instigated a fight. And now the bees are throwing a rival party, which is actually a much better party than this party. And it's crazy, it's wild, it's everything. Yes, the bee party does sound like it was much better. Flight of the Bumblebees was played and everyone flew around with lampshades on their heads. Um, they were gonna watch the sting. And I believe, yes, that is her, I believe it is 
spelled p-e-u-t-a so um and then candace came to the uh the party <laughs> and you know they're all happy candace has arrived and she sing or she cheers them up by singing have yourself a merry little christmas and they're all singing together it's cute it's fun and then there's like a weird moment between scred and candace where they're like really close and I couldn't tell if they were supposed to kiss or what. Like, if that was like, if that counted as a muffin kiss, I didn't really know. <laughs> but it looked rather close. I don't know. But yeah. And then Scred's like, hey, I know a party we can go to. And they leave to go to the B party, leaving Plubus behind, which, A, that's kind of a dick move. But B, Scred gets around. He was like getting on Lily Tomlin two weeks ago. Like, what the fuck, man? I support it. I support it, Scred. I support Slutty Scred. <laughs> uh, there was another Mel's char. There was a crowd cutaway that showed a guy as Chevy Chase's gay lover. I guess so. Yeah, Winter Wonderland. We have Garrett Morris leading them in singing Winter Wonderland. Um, the Angel Band is there, and um the girls who was it it was literally like Lorraine Newman Jane Curtin Gilda Radner it was it, it was the whole cast yeah the whole cast yeah I couldn't tell if it was or not <laughs> and yeah it was the whole cast Garrett Morris has a wonderful voice they were wearing matching outfits oh my god it was actually like talent show vibes yeah it, it was it was cute but yeah i was like all right what why from there we went into another minute mystery sketch where dan Aykroyd and john belushi are once again investigating a murder and that was michael o'donohue on the couch playing the dead guy because you know michael o'donohue um and on the wall with a bloody handprint is written winona did it and there's a beautiful woman in a black evening gown who says her name is Winona and she seems to have an alibi, but then it's very clear Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi are very into her. And she says that, oh, her, her, the thing that absolutely gets her going is men who can't solve crimes. And then Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi are like, all right, we're going to give you guys 20 seconds to figure out this crime. And the camera pans around the room. It shows all the different weapons and the Winona did it on the wall. And when the 20 seconds is up, Don Pardo's like, oh, do you know who did it? And they're like, or she was like, yeah, they were like, oh, we don't know who did it. And then I think Dan Aykroyd asked Don Pardo and he says, no, I have no idea because they're all very into Candace Bergen. And then Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi leap with her. I liked that. That was a good sipping for Candace Bergen sketch. Yeah. Um. And there's another digital catalog ad, which was this time a, a vest, <laughs> whatever. A vest with a clock on it. Yeah. Martha Reeves performed Silver Bells. It was beautiful. It was nice. It was Christmassy. Put me in the Christmassy spirit. Uh, Gilda Radner. We did a... This Last time she did this, was this when Candice Bergen was on? I honestly didn't look into that. But basically it was... Gilda talking about her holiday overeating. Yeah, and what she ate and how she's talking about how she picked all of the unhealthy parts off of things before eating them. And it was like, okay, this is straight up problematic knowing that she had a freaking eating disorder. Like, 
what the fuck? Like, we know she did. I don't think they knew she did, but it was just seen as like, oh. Well, I mean, to be fair, I'm pretty sure in Life in New York, they did say that they were aware of it, but they thought it was like a good, fun way to go about losing weight. Like, it was actually like a smart sort of technique. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah, in the end, Gilda's like, oh, I'm making myself sick. And it just, it just felt icky that we were like laughing at this woman's eating disorder. Ugh. Yeah, did not like that. Um, we then went into Fritzy Kringle, who was, it was like a North Pole cooking show, but it was like the grossest cooking show that I have ever seen. Lorraine Newman was eating straight up batter off of cookie sheets. It was like three glops of batter. She was barely putting the ingredients on them. She was mainly just eating them. And then she's like, and when, when you're done, it should look like this. When and it looks gross. And then she's like, and when they're cooked, it should look like this. She, t- she takes them out of the oven and they're like black and burned. And then there was a burned goose and it was weird. It was just strange. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of laughing at her eating the food, like in the audience. And I, hmm, maybe it was funny like the first two times, but I don't know about that, guys. Like, I just don't know if it's still that funny anymore. <laughs> no. Like, a lot of these jokes keep going a little too long for me to like them. Yeah. There was the third and final Mel's Char Palace. Still, the only funny thing was Gilda with a chainsaw. Yeah, bye. Good riddance. Then we had Maggie Kuhn. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Um, make a little, a little guest appearance. She was the founder of the Grey Panthers, which is an organization that she started after... Um, being fired for being like 65 years old and it was just an organization that fought against ageism and she was um talking a lot about like how people if you feel like you've given up you need to like turn it around to get involved um we need to keep our spirits alive uh and they did their little like panther sign off which was um holding up a fist and saying off your asses it was interesting i'm sure i really agreed with a lot of what she said but hey <laughs> i yeah it was I, I wasn't expecting to see that i thought it was a joke at first and then i realized it was actually a very straight bit so yeah and the show then pretty much ended with candace bergen saying that the holidays were a time for family and reunion and that um, that they were going to show some clips with a song about, you know, family and blah, blah, blah. And I literally in my head was like, Paul, this is going to be a fucking Paul Simon song. I know it. And then it started playing and I laughed out loud because it was Simon and Garfunkel's Homeward Bound. And it was just, it was a song's worth of video clips of people reuniting and meeting at airports and hugging and being happy. And it was really nice. It was really nice. I mean, now I feel like compilations of videos like that are so common that I was watching that and I was just like, oh, whatever. (laughs) Like, like, I I need, I need some, some more more action in my, my airport reunion videos. (laughs) 
Yeah. I, well, and that, and I was just like, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, well, this fucking sucks as someone who's not going to be able to go home for the holidays this year due to Corona. Um, yeah, it was like, all right, wonderful. Three minutes of watching happy people see family they haven't seen in a long time. Go fuck yourself. So, you know, that was, that was about my mood by the end. No. Oh. Really fucked up. If I can have Christmas night, like a day. Right. And yeah, and then it went to good nights. And that was the end of season one, episode eight. Yeah. Did you have a favorite sketch? I'm going to go on ahead and say that I'm pretty sure my favorite sketch was the Dean Coral, um, Billy, uh, it is marijuana, is it? Sketch. (laughs) That was good. I appreciated Chevy Chase trying to do the voice of a teenage boy. That really made me laugh. (laughs) My favorite was the John Belushi, Gilda Radner laundry sex sketch. I thought that was so well done. It was pretty good. They're really good together. Although, oh my God, when they kissed, I I felt like even they felt a little bit weird about it. It was like, they they did that, or they waited until the very end of the sketch. (laughs) And it was so fast. I was like, oh. (laughs) <laughs> it was like kind of bad <laughs> right it's like I felt bad it was like two kids in a school play that it's like oh god yeah anyway my least favorite one shit um I'm gonna go on ahead and go with Mel's char palace I just simply did not think it was funny unfortunately yeah I did not like that either it was just like cool people can kill their own cows like I know people that bring their cows to get butchered like it's it's a fact of life I don't really know that it was like the only part that worked was Gilda Radner with a chainsaw I could watch that all day long that was fun so yeah that is it for us you can find us on all podcast platforms where you can like subscribe rate review you can also email us at satnighthighpod at gmail.com um our at is satnighthighpod um we are on twitter instagram snapchat facebook night is spelled m-i-t we're on snapchat (laughs) we're absolutely not on snapchat what the fuck when did that happen? Yeah, I was on Snap to get nothing. I don't even know pictures of me sitting in bed watching Saturday Night Live because that's all I really do. Um, oh, our website is satnighthypod.com. And yeah, that is it for me. Happy, I'm Gilda. Happy highs. Oh, wait, I'm Gilda. <laughs> and I'm Steph. Happy highs. Happy highs. <laughs>